Hello, everybody. This is a Penn State football podcast brought to you by For the Glory of Old State.com. I'm Craig Rosala, and after the third straight victory for Penn State, I'm joined by Brandon Musa. How are we doing tonight, Brandon? Doing good. You know, you, you picked the Nittany Lions to lose another one, and they came out and they proved you wrong. How do you feel? I feel great. I'm glad that they proved me wrong. <laughs> I was hoping that it was kind of uh, some reverse psychology, you know what I'm saying? Just pick them to lose, and then hopefully they win. Yeah, it's a win-win situation for you. You're either right or you're wrong. And or they are the really win. Want. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's the idea. Now, they got off to a great start. As we've been saying the last few weeks, we need this team to get off to a great start. Because if they're playing from behind, they become a different football team. And they started off strong in the first quarter. I don't want to toot my own horn here, but what did I say on the preview podcast that was going to happen? I predicted Jaquan Brisker was going to get an interception on senior day, and it happened, although he did fumble on the return. So Michigan State get the ball back. But from there, Penn State did force a three and out, and you know there was, that drive was concluded by a sack from Shane Simmons. You know, we'll talk about his big day a little bit later on. Uh, but then Penn State gets the ball back, and they had a nice long drive, including a 27-yard pass to tight end Brenton Strange, who stepped up in a really nice way since Pat Fryermuth got um, hurt and was out for the season now. Um, however, they did have to settle for three points because uh, Will Fries held on a Kevon Lee touchdown. But on that first drive, we saw a lot of good things, I think, from this Penn State offense. I know personally, I really liked how they really tried to stretch the Michigan State offense out horizontally. I think that Brenton Strange um, pass completion was a good example of that, where they they did a play action uh, to the right, and then Brenton Strange went to the left, and he went a little bit downfield, and obviously, you know, some yards after the catch. Um, and then eventually, as they try to do towards the goal line with Lee, they went up the middle with it. What were your thoughts on some of the uh, plays on the first drive? Um, I think just they, they came out looking very motivated. I, I was kind of very um, pleased with, you know, both facets of the game. I know you mentioned the offense, you know, but the defense as well, they were dominating up front at, in the beginning of this game. Uh, they got a lot of pressure. They forced that Aaron throw with, you know, Brisker got that interception, you know, obviously the fumble happened after that, but which is not ideal, but they got the the ball back with a fresh set of downs and the defense came out and made another strong stand. And, you know, they forced them out in just three plays. I think they didn't even, I think they were a negative yardage on that first drive after that. Then, as I said, the offense comes out and looks pretty decent going down the field. You know, I was pretty happy with the play calling in general this week. You know, and that first drive kind of showed that. Obviously, it stalled out. They only got a field goal, as you mentioned before. But you get the field goal, you start getting the momentum. And then as a fan, you're watching the game and you see the offense kind of move down the field. And like I said, not ideal that they only got a field goal out of it. But you get the idea that there's good things to come in the game when you see that kind of start from the offense. Then defense comes back out, makes another strong stop. And I'll tell you from that point on, I think I I told you this during the game, I was looking at the defensive line. I'm like, wow, they're getting, they're just going to have a field day and just dominate this uh, offensive line all day. But I I tell you, I couldn't be more wrong because the the tide turned pretty quickly after that. Yeah. And you mentioned the defensive line was getting some push and you were surprised. And that came without Jason Oway on the field. He did not play on Saturday and, the reasons are not disclosed. My guess, it's some type of small injury, and they're holding him out because they know his draft stock is really valuable to him right now, which I think is the right decision. But as you said, the tide turned very quickly as Peyton Thorne found his rhythm 
and he led Michigan State to 21 points, snap of the fingers. And in that second quarter, he was 10 of 10 with three touchdowns, and he looked like Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence, not not Peyton Thorne, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that seems to happen a lot, doesn't it? Where, you know, they kind of make these uh, rookie quarterbacks, if you will, look uh, pretty amazing. But, yeah, as you said, I think it, the the tide turned as soon as the defensive line stopped getting pressure because, you know, as soon as that happened, Thorne kind of had a lot more time to sit in the pocket and, you know, he really started carving up the secondary you know, for the game. As you said, 325 yards, three touchdowns. And, you know, the second quarter was really when all that success really started. As I said, he was standing comfortable in the pocket and making some really nice throws. And I thought after that quarter, with the 21 points scored, things looked pretty bleak, you know, going into the half, I was very skeptical that this team was going to make a comeback. Um, and I thought basically that second quarter kind of looked, the team kind of looked like what they looked like in the first five games. And I really, I, I saw a lot of flashbacks from, you know, the struggles that they really had. And that was kind of largely due to them just looking, you know, lackadaisical out there and almost like they didn't want to be there. Um, so I didn't really have much faith in them to turn their fortunes around, but you know, Things change in the second half. Yeah, I think Michigan State, I think credit to them, did a great job adjusting to what Penn State was doing in the first quarter. And it seemed like they were giving Thorne more time by mixing in some play action, moving the pocket a little bit. And to his credit as well, he was very accurate on the passes that he was asked to throw. Um, I know in the first touchdown, it looked like there was a miscommunication between this, uh, the players in the secondary for Penn State, leading to an easy touchdown. As we've seen in the last couple of years, that, that does happen. Uh, but I think Peyton Thorne, he just made a good adjustment. And from there, you know, 21 points later, Michigan State had carried a 21 to 10 lead into halftime. And Penn State did get the ball to start the second half. And for me, this was, you know, in a game that doesn't really matter in terms of, you know, championship implications or anything, this was one of the most important drives of the year in terms of determining what ty- type of attitude this team has and they came out after halftime and they knew they needed to to score to uh, keep themselves in this game. They went out and did it. Uh, No third downs on the drive, which is obviously great because we know this team can struggle sometimes with third down conversions. And we ended up finishing the drive with a Sean Clifford touchdown to Parker Washington. And then Penn State went for two to make it a three point game. And they converted that as well. Sean Clifford found Jahan Dotson. And what I liked about that two-point play was Sean Clifford was looking around for another receiver, and he actually found Dotson on his second or third read, which is something we've seen Clifford struggle with, especially this year. If that first read isn't there, he either scrambles or he throws it away, or worst-case scenario, he you know throws an interception or takes a sack. That didn't happen on that two-point conversion. So Penn State made it 21-18. What do you think of that drive coming out uh, the second half? I mean, I thought it was great because, as I said, I didn't have any faith for them to even, you know, come out with any sort of life in the second half. We've seen them get down on themselves before, and they kind of had had a hard time pulling themselves out of it. And I really didn't think that trend was going to change. But, you know, to their credit, they really did come out with in that first drive of the second half and look like a different team. Um, the play calling was solid. They still used Levis, you know, for certain situations to help mix things up. I know, I think it was in that drive in particular, he actually threw the ball, which yep. is something that the announcers were talking about all game. They're saying how, you know, predictable it's becoming with Levis coming in and running the ball. 
Um, but they, you know, Penn State's credit and Kirk's credit, they came out and had him throw a pass and it kind of uh, really threw the defense off. And that was kind of a large part of the drive um, that play in particular. Um, and I think it, it really uh, mixed up and confused the defense, which is what they needed to do and, you know, something that they needed to do kind of bring the momentum back. But I think that was the momentum swing because from there they just took over. Aside from the the one field goal from Michigan State, the defense pretty much locked them up the whole rest of the game. And, you know, the offense came out and just put together, kept coming back and putting together nice drives and, you know, got a couple more touchdowns and, you know, really kind of put this game out of reach. Yeah, and you mentioned, uh, you know, Michigan State to get the ball back right after the Penn State touchdown. And, again, the Penn State defense forced a three and out. Uh, and then from there, I got kind of worried about this Penn State offense because, yes, the defense forced a three and out, but then – really bleak drive from the Penn State offense going three and out, really nothing going on. Like, oh, like we're not going to stall out now, are we? Uh, and then you mentioned Michigan State tacked on a field goal, and it looked like the Spartans were going to go in and score a touchdown and kind of, you know, take full control of this game, possibly go up, you know, I think it was – it would have been 27-18, so a two-possession game. And the Penn State defense had a nice goal line stand where they force a field goal, which, yes, the Spartans get some points out of it, but I think that shifted momentum in a big way. And when the Penn State offense came back on the field, they were out on a mission. You know, we see a 36-yard pass from Will Levis, as you talked about, that was set up um, by a lot of the running plays early on. Um, Dotson made a nice catch on that, going be, uh, like back shoulder, middle of the field, and then making you know a nice run after the catch. Uh, Clifford had a nice 26-yard pass to Washington, and then we saw you know Will Levis do his thing inside the one. You know you're not stopping that guy uh, once he gets you know ahead of steam. So Penn State goes up 25-24, their first lead uh, since early in the second quarter. And again, going into complimentary football, Penn State forces a three and out from the Spartans. And then another part I loved about this Penn State uh, offense and their play calling on Saturday was the ensuing drive, you know, Dotson's our best player on the team this year. They find Dotson for one play. I think it was an eight or nine yard gain. The very next play, they fake a screen pass to him with the Spartans anticipating, okay, they're going to go to their playmaker once again. They sneak Parker Washington out deep on the fake screen. He goes for a 49-yard touchdown. Great run after the catch. And, we're really seeing Parker Washington emerge as one of the top players at the wide receiver position in the Big Ten. I mean, yeah, he's really going to be you know a large part of this offense moving forward. And like you mentioned, you know, the play calling has is has improved dramatically over the last couple of games, and that's just one example of them becoming less predictable as an offense. And that play, as you said, it was I think almost entirely set up by the fact that the defense was just keying on the ball going to Dotson and, you know, left Washington wide open for the touchdown and, you know, kept the momentum, you know, on Penn State's side, which is exactly what they needed. Yeah. And it stayed on their side three and out again by the defense. Great job. And we saw the Jahan Dotson show take over 81 yard uh, punt return touchdown. Um, and for that play, he was named the big 10 special teams player of the week. And, for him, a great day all in all. You have the 81-yard touchdown. You have eight catches for 108 yards. Uh, it was his fourth 100-yard receiving game of the season. So half his games he received for over 100 yards. I think he has like one more with like 94 yards. He's been incredible this year. And, you know, he really put the game away with 
a huge play that, you know, if you're Michigan State, how do you recover from such a, a big play like that? And they just did it. They really did it. Uh, so Penn State really closed the game out, I thought, in a good way. Michigan State did, you know, drive down the field a little bit late. But at that point, it's a two-possession game. There's a minute left, really a small chance for comeback. And Penn State gets the W, 39-24. And, and all in all, good start to the game. Middle of the game, you know, Michigan State made their adjustments, but that dominating second half leaves a really good taste in the mouth of Penn State fans, I think. Yeah, I think that just kind of goes back to, you know, those little moments that we just kind of covered basically just kept the momentum on their side. And like I said, they've been down on themselves before. They were after that second quarter, and it took just those certain plays, just small, you know, just the small wins like, you know, preventing Michigan State from the touchdown and, you know, forcing a field goal or, you know, the, the touchdown pass to, to Washington. I think all of those little things just kept adding up to keep the momentum on their side. And I think that's why they were able to keep the confidence in themselves. And, you know, basically, as you said, you know, close out this game as the strongest one of the year. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned how there were certain points early in this game where you didn't know if this team would revert to the own five Penn State or the, Penn State the last two weeks. Uh, I think seeing after the game, after they won, and seeing a lot of the seniors on the field and their reactions and how they felt after the game, I think you'd see this team is really buying in to what this coaching staff is preaching. Yes, they did struggle to start the year, but there's been a lot of emotion, I think, and a lot of uh, adversity this team has had to go through, and they're battling right now. And they're, you know, Again, they're not in the Big Ten hunt or anything like that or not in the national championship picture like they thought they would be at the start of the year or even, you know, when the season ended last year. But this team is battling and battling, and I think it's a really good sign for this program going forward with just one more game to go, which they're heavily favored to win. So it could be a really good, strong ending to the season. Um, and I think that it, a lot of that credit goes to the players for buying in right now. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that because I know as a fan – and, you know, a lot of the other fan, you know, much of the fan base was, you know, really down on this entire team and, you know, the direction that, that, you know, the team was taking moving forward after those first five games, everyone was saying, oh, you know, like Franklin should be done. Like, you know, all the, the that, you know, all that tired arguments that, you, that we hear about firing Franklin, it's just, there was just a lot of negative negativity like revolving around this team. And, you know, as you said, to their credit, the players' credit in particular, they really bought in. They really played, you know, with motivation, like they wanted to be there. And, you know, they got themselves, you know, three run, three wins in a row now, which is exactly what you, you would want to see out of this team. Yeah, and if it wasn't for some rule changes, they'd be in the Big Ten championship game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but I want to touch on uh, – something that we didn't see really coming going into this game. And that's the success of this passing game. Uh, Sean Clifford had a nice day. Uh, I think it was his most complete game of the year. Will Levis had a nice game as well. And they really did it without the help of the running game, which the last two weeks has been the focal point, rushing for over 250 yards both games. Um, overall, Sean Clifford, 17 of 27, 232 yards, two touchdowns. And I think most importantly for him, Zero interceptions, zero sacks, and then to add on to his passing numbers, he had nine carries, 48 yards, and he had a 31-yard touchdown run where he split the middle of the field and had wide open uh, running room uh, early in the second quarter. Uh, and then Will Levis complimenting Clifford, three of three, 54 yards. He had a big pass completion 
uh, to Dotson. He had another pass completion on a deflection to DeAndre Lambert-Smith. I went for a first down. And then running the ball, we know we're not expecting, you know, the, the huge plays from Levis. But, again, steady as can be, 15 carries, 36 yards, and the touchdown that we mentioned earlier. These two guys, are, I think, are really in sync right now. We see it on the sidelines where they're constantly communicating with each other and they're, they're kind of growing it out a little bit on the sidelines despite almost being in competition with each other. They're not really acting that way. They are really playing together really well and playing uh, good complementary football, which has been a theme of this three-game winning streak. Yeah, I think this kind of just starts and stops with Clifford. You know, To his credit, he's been better. Um, not amazing, but I'll say better. Uh, I think we men- mentioned this a couple of games ago where you could tell he was kind of making smarter decisions and, you know, standing stronger in the pocket uh, and staying in the pocket longer. You didn't have those, those happy feet, you know, as we mentioned, that re- resulted in him making, you know, better throws when he needs to and, you know, scrambling when he needs to and not, you know, throwing it away when he wants to and not, you know, throwing it into the, into coverage or that kind of thing. You know, he's just making good decisions when he scrambles out of the pocket and, you know, staying in the pocket when he needs to. So, I mean, those two factors, in my opinion, have been the largest part of his success as a pastor. And, you know, that combined with better play calling has resulted in a much improved offense as a whole. Yeah. And, you know, after three games of the system being like a a dual system between these two quarterbacks, I feel like a lot of the weight has been taken off the shoulders of Sean Clifford, where early in the season, I think with the running backs being down and not really having a reliable back early in the season, it seemed like he felt a lot of the pressure on his shoulders and was trying to force things. And you know, that's where the turnovers and the high throws and accurate passes, the sacks, that all came about. But these last few weeks, he looks so comfortable like in his own skin that the mistakes are going away and he's playing better football. He looks more confident, even, you know, 10 incompletions. A lot of those have been just throwaways. They aren't, he's missing a wide open player. He's, he's been a lot better. And it's something that I think last year we had these outlandish high expectations for him based on how the year started for him. And then that kind of carry over to this year thinking, Oh, he'll progress throughout the off season. I'm not saying that I expect him to be a Heisman trophy candidate next year, but if he comes back and he kind of stays in this comfort zone, I think we're looking at a much better Penn state team from the jump. Uh, going to next year what do you think of that yeah I agree and you know if he gets a full I think we talk about this a lot but if he gets a full winter slash summer um, to kind of work with Kirk and and work with the offense I, I think he'll become a lot more comfortable and you know going into next year hopefully Noah Kane is back uh, healthy you know you have Noah Kane and probably Lee as this as the second string running back I, I think those will set up for a really good run game and you know we talked about it the last three games the large part of the success of the of Clifford and the offense has been because of the running game so you know if we have him really comfortable in the pocket and we have a running game that kind of opens up the pass I think we'll we'll see a much better Clifford and a much better offense all right so I'm gonna kind of segue off of what you're saying with you know the, the offense being better with a, a full offseason uh, with Kurt Soraka. And we've touched on a little bit earlier in the podcast on the play calling and setting up different plays. What did you think of the play calling throughout this game on Saturday? Yeah, I, I was pleased with it again. It, it wasn't perfect, but it was good. I, you know, I still think Michi- the Michigan game was his best game in terms of play calling. 
I mean, he's been great the last couple of weeks, but you know, there's been a couple issues, but in terms of, you know, overall performance, Michigan was probably the best, but I'm still happy with what I saw out of this game. A couple of bad play calls that I thought, you know, should have been called differently, but I don't think you could really complain all that much about a handful of bad play calls when, you know, there's 39 points on the board. Um, So I think at this point he's earned himself some respect um, to the point where I think we can really expect a nice offense next year. I know we had a lot of skepticism in the beginning of the year. We talked a lot about just giving him a little bit more time um, to kind of adjust. And I think to his credit, he's been doing that. He's gotten a, a bunch more games under his belt as a, as you know, the Penn state play caller. And I think more reps throughout the full off season will, will really, you know, turn him around. So I know some people um, are ready to give up on him, but I think after those past couple of games, I don't think you could really say that. Yeah. And I'm going to disagree on the, the Michigan game being his best game as a play caller. Penn state. I'm going to say it's this one. And I have a couple of reasons for that. One reason is we saw the success of the running game the last couple of weeks. And we assumed that Penn state would try to do that again. And, th- and they did, they, they tried to run the ball. They didn't get it going. And he was able to adjust mid game where early in the season, we didn't see those adjustments when things weren't going right for them, where they're turning the ball over sacks, all those different, you know, negative plays. He was able to adjust in this game and he used the passing game more than he probably would have liked to going into this game. And it, it fared very well. Um, the other thing I did like, and I'm looking at offensive play calling, although I've never done it in, you know, football or anything like that. I'm looking at it from a baseball perspective, as I tend to do with some things in football. Um, and I look at it as like calling pitches where you're constantly setting different things up. You know, you might not call your best pitch sequence in the first at bat of the game against Mike Trout, but you might save it for the seventh inning when you have second and third with two outs with Mike Trout up at the plate. So you're constantly setting things up. And I thought he did that as well. I mentioned the, um, you know, early, the, the first drive where they're setting things up horizontally to finish them, you know, with a strong drive up the middle with, you know, lead going for a touchdown. Eventually, again, it was taken off the board because of holding call. But again, he stretched it horizontally, and then he went right up the middle, the strength of the team. So he's just kind of setting up the Michigan State defense for what the, the Penn State strength was going to this game. And then I mentioned the, you know, the Dotson play where they throw a pass to him the play before. The next play, they fake it to him, go to Washington deep, and he's wide open. So I'm looking for setting things up. So you can run different plays, and we've been seeing that. And then also, I preached for it all year, we're seeing more motion out of this Penn State offense. And that's something I really want to harp on going into next year is I want to see a ton of motion because, again, watching these NFL teams, uh, watching the Rams on Thursday night football against the Patriots, watching a couple of different teams on Sunday, the Chiefs especially, we know they're the best offense in the NFL right now. These teams are constantly in motion. They're constantly confusing the defenses. I think if Penn State can do that a lot more, they've been doing it a lot more as they've been earlier in the season. I think things will, you know, continue to look up for Kirk in this offense as he gets a lot of these guys back. You know, you might he's going to lose Firemuth, I think for sure. Um, we have to see about Dotson what he's going to do, but you have a lot of young talent because of the way things shaped out this year that are experienced now and they're going to play next year too. So, um, you know, I, I thought this was a really strong game from Kirk highest uh, scoring total of the year. Correct. 
I believe 30, so, yeah. 30, 39 points. Uh, you know, really good game from him. And you know, going into next week and then going into next year, I'm really excited because I think this is more of the Kurt Soraka that we expected when he was hired uh, in December of last year that, you know, we're seeing right now. Yeah, definitely. I, I think I had much higher expectations than what we saw to start the season. And, you know, I was thinking that during the game, um, this past week that, you know, we're finally getting the guy that we thought we were getting <laughs> and not the guy that we saw in the first you know five games of the season. Yeah. So going from one top performance on Saturday up in the uh, press box in the booth in Soraka, let's go to some of the top performances on the field. Uh, I'm going to let you start this off with your top pick because I know you're really excited to talk about it. Yeah, so I'm going with my guy, Shane Simmons. I, I mentioned him in our senior segment last week, um, just to kind of honor him a little bit because he was a guy that I was very excited about when he was recruited. Um, and I, I thought he had a really nice day to close out his Penn State career. Seven tackles, one and a half sacks, and two tackles for loss. I think that's just a monster game for a guy that you know doesn't really play that much and hasn't really played that much. But he found himself in the backfield all day, and I was just really happy to see his number, you know, making some tackles and and actually playing up to the standards that, you know, and expectations that I thought, you know, coming into his career as a Penn Stater. Yeah, I I know as soon as he got that first sack in the, uh, well, I guess the second drive of the game because of the Brisker interception and fumble, you know, I knew you'd be excited, especially when you gave him a shout-out. And as a fan – of Penn State and just if you're a fan of sports in general you see a redshirt senior on senior day unfortunately you know he has nobody there to see him play because of COVID and the you know the, the laws are in place now in the state of Pennsylvania but in his first career start he has the game of his career that's just heartwarming stuff and you know I'm really happy for Shane Simmons that you could see on the sideline you could see on Twitter after that this Penn State team love seeing that type of performance from Shane Simmons who has a ton of respect on this team and is looked at as a leader despite not playing too much throughout his career. You know, I, I love to see that stuff as a, a sports fan and I'm just happy that it happened to somebody like Shane Simmons on this Penn State football team. I'm going to stay on the defense and I'm going to go with somebody who I predicted to have a big game and he did. Uh, Jaquan Brisker. It's his, it was his senior day as well. And Unfortunately, he's only had two years of Penn State because he was a Juco transfer from Lackawanna College. Uh, shout out, Bill Falcons. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Brisker had nine tackles. I mentioned the interception that he had on the first drive. Um, that really just made me feel great about the day. I'm like, oh, he got it over with this really <laughs> early. Um, and then he had a t- uh, one and a half tackles for loss. And fortunately for Penn State, he actually got hurt on that field goal drive as Spartans had. And then he came back in and he, he – kept playing. Um, he had a huge day on senior day. And again, he's continued to build his draft stock as somebody that we didn't have crazy high expectations for going into the year. We thought, you know, he would be a rotational player, maybe a starter at best, but again, he's proven to be one of the best safeties in the big 10 and even across the country, according to pro football focus. So another big game from Brisker on senior day. Yeah. You called that one. <laughs> All right. You have another top performer from uh, Saturday. Yeah, again, I'm going to cheat a little bit on this one. And (laughs) I just want to say the entire, you know, senior class, uh, you know, 
we talked about the last podcast we did our little senior shout out segment kind of thing. We both picked two guys that were seniors that were closing out their Penn State careers that had, you know, really just tremendous days that, you know, me and you were both pleased to see. And, you know, obviously a lot of Penn State fans were as well. But just in general, this senior class, um, they kind of got, you know, gypped on, you know, the full senior day experience. They didn't get, you know, the fans or even their parents in the stands to watch them. To their credit, some of the guys had some big games like Simmons and, and Brisker, and you know we're, we're going to miss these guys. And you know, happy that they had some success, you know, in their last game as a Penn Stater. Yeah, and I'm going to give a shout out to some of those seniors that you you know you mentioned. Um, Antonio Shelton had one and a half sacks on sun, on uh, Saturday, and then I'm not sure how you thought about this. Lamont Wade, I thought looked awesome in the return game. He was filling in a kick return for Devin Ford, who dressed but didn't play, but. Lamont Wade looked really explosive. I was really impressed by him in a role that we haven't seen him in. And then also, this was from Pro Football Focus. Uh, they highlighted him on their Twitter the other day, and he had 43 coverage snaps, two targets, and he allowed zero catches. Really strong day for Lamont Wade. You know, he's somebody that came into Penn State as a really high recruit, didn't play early on in his career, transfer portal. And even when he came back, a lot of fans I know were hot on him saying, you know, he's not loyal to this team. He entered the transfer portal. Look, he came back, and he had a huge game against Ohio State last year, was a consistent starter for this team last year. And then this year, you know, things didn't work out record-wise for this team, but he continues to be a consistent playmaker on the back end of this Penn State defense. And, uh, you know, he has one more game left, and I'm anxious to see what NFL draft evaluators think of him uh, when it comes to the NFL draft next April. Yeah, it's, it's funny because when when he took that that uh, that kick and he started running up the sideline, I'm like, I, I was like scrambling. I, I pulled up my phone real quick. I'm like, is there another 38 on this team? I'm, I'm looking at the roster. I'm like, there's no way that's Lamont Wade. I did not know he had that speed in him. I, I was like, yeah. I was blown away. Honestly, I, I couldn't believe it. And I was like, how is this guy not our kick returning every every week? Yeah, and even like I've seen the eight on the side. Because the the three is on the other side of the you know the press box and the camera, I'm like oh Devin Ford, wow, it's different. And then <laughs> oh, it's Lamont Wade. Okay, uh, yeah, we, we we haven't seen that from him, and he looked really impressive. So I'm anxious to see if if Devin Ford is back there next week or if it's Wade again. I really love to see Wade. You know, if you have Dotson returning uh, returning punts and Wade returning kicks, looking that good too. Special teams look, looking up. <laughs> yeah, Joe Loring, that's what we wanted to see, right? Yes, and let's let's talk about that really quick. You called it on on uh, Saturday. What'd you call? It? I I want you to say because all credit goes to you on this one. All right, so I'm Brandon has a brain fart here and he forgets what he called it and what the play was. But we saw Penn State run as Brandon called it the Lorig special, where they line up to punt on fourth and one, and they all just ran straight to the line, and it really you know it wasn't anything illegal. They were just in a different position uh, on the punt play. And Michigan State jumped off sides, and a lot of Penn State to get a first down, two up some more clock. Brandon called the Lord special because, obviously, Eagles fans like to call you know, the Nick Foles touchdown catch in the Super Bowl against the Patriots the Philly special. Brandon called the Lord special, and I'm hoping that it brought 
you know, some memory back for him, even though he forgets right now. <laughs> I, I did forget, but I do, re- I do remember watching the game and texting our group right after that happened <laughs> saying that because that was such a huge part of the game. Just to get that first down was just massive. And, and I was just so impressed with, like, you know, special teams in general. And I was very happy with Lorik. So I know we mentioned him in – you know, when he got hired, we talked about him in the podcast and you know, I was saying how excited I was because I kind of did a little bit of research on him. Mm-hmm. So I was very pleased to see some, some mixed up plays, something like that to, to help them out uh, to get a first down. Yeah, it was really creative on his part. Um, so shout out to Joe Lord. Nice, nice call on Saturday. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> and I want to give two more shout outs. Uh, really one in general here, the wide receivers for Penn State are they're really becoming one of the top groups in the country. And this was a position group that going into the season, we thought would be a huge weakness. Jahan Dotson mentioned it earlier, eight catches, 108 yards, and fourth 100-yard receiving game of the season. And he had the 81-yard punt return touchdown that put this game away. And then Parker Washington, again, emerging as one of the top receivers in the Big Ten alongside Dotson as a true freshman. He should, I think he should easily be a Big Ten freshman of the year. Four catches, 95 yards, and two touchdowns. And Parker Washington is really on track to be one of the best receivers in Penn State history starting off his career this way. Yeah, I mean, we talked about him before. He's going to be a large part of this offense. Yeah, wearing the number three, it really reminds me of Deion Butler. Yes, I like the comparison. Yeah, so every time I see him running up and down the field, I think of Deion Butler. Um <laughs> Also, I want to. I'm, I'm going to jog your memory here on another Penn State game, and this game kind of reminded me of uh, a, an old game, and some of it has to do with the points that were scored in this game. 39, kind of a weird total. But do you remember the Penn State Northwestern game in 2012? Like not much of it, but I know where. I think I know where you're going with this. It was. It was the one where they allowed a punt return touchdown to Northwestern. Ben Mark had an insane return. And then after that, Penn State just took over the game. Uh, I know Allen Robinson had a touchdown catch. They went for it on a fourth down, and um, Robinson caught another touchdown. Uh, shocker, he was insane. <laughs> um, and then they took the lead on a Matt McGloin touchdown run where he kind of tripped over his own feet into the end zone in the corner. <laughs> uh, and then Michael Zorge put the game away with a rushing touchdown, which he was the fullback at that time. And due to uh, concerns with the running game, he was the running back uh, until they finally found out Zach Winnick could run the ball. I'm I'm, I'm name dropping people left and right here, but it was one of those games. A lot where, of memories, man. <laughs> yeah, and, and it reminded me of that game because again, 39 points scored by Penn State, 39 points against Northwestern too. But we saw Northwestern in that game. They took over in the middle of the game. King Coulter, Venerick Mark, all these guys. Uh, Trevor Simeon was also a, a quarterback for that team. They were up. Uh, 28-10, I believe, and they looked like they were in total control. Or 28-17 it was, 28-17. And Penn State came back and just stole the show once that punt return touchdown happened. And that's how I felt about this game. Michigan State's tax on that field goal. Penn State was in total control the rest of the way. So I just thought, you know, go down memory lane there and get those old emotions back from 2012. I know you're always good for that. You know, you always remember those little details about those old yeah. games, man. I'm not as good as you with that, but I do remember some moments. But 
I think you have a pretty good, uh, a pretty large encyclopedia in your head with almost every Penn State game. Yeah, I I, I do a deep dive on YouTube every now and then, and uh, that that that's one that like as soon as the thir- I saw thirty nine points, I'm like, this doesn't happen. Uh, I'm thinking thinking Northwestern twenty twelve. Yeah, if, if you want to know anything about a, any Penn State game in the last I don't know sixteen seventeen years, Craigan's the guy for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I don't know, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. you have anything else you want to add from, for this podcast? No, heading into the last week, man. Yeah, uh, I want to give a big shout-out to the seniors. You know, we touched on them earlier, but really want to give a big shout-out to them because they've been through a lot this year, and a lot of them played some of their best games of the year and, and even in their careers. So shout-out to them, you know, Great job, and you have another one on Saturday at Beaver Stadium. Uh, we'll talk about that one a little later on this week as Penn State will take on Illinois, who is having to replace Lovey Smith, who they just let go as their head coach. And we'll see if Penn State can end the season with four straight wins after starting the year with five straight losses. So we'll be very excited for that one. Maybe, just maybe, Brandon will pick the Nittany Lions to win. <laughs> I don't know. Should I Should I jinx it? <laughs> I, I don't know. That's up to you, man. This is why you make the tough decisions. <laughs> yeah, I do make the tough calls here. <laughs> yeah. So, again, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, this was a fun one. A really great game from Penn State, I think. So, it makes our lives a lot easier and a lot more fun when we're talking about them. So, uh, thank you, guys. Continue to listen on both Spotify and Apple. Continue to share the podcast. Um, and, you know, follow us on Twitter, at ForTheGloryOS, and on Facebook, ForTheGloryOS. We will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening.